Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi guys, welcome back to Web3, the new era. Today we are interviewing CryptoZach LA, who is the community manager for Wobblebug, moderator at Portals, and founder of a four-week community manager and moderator course in partnership with the Soul Academy. He has built a name for himself in the NFT space and digital career that has allowed him to quit his in-real-life job to pursue Web3 full-time. Listen in to hear about Zach's life story from starting in crypto back in 2015, leaving the space when the future didn't look so promising, to now going full throttle into NFTs and creating a household name in the process. Enough preamble, let's get into the interview. All right, and we are live. So today we have Zach, aka Crypto Zach, here with us. He works full-time in Web3, community manager for Wobblebug, among many other things, but I won't really get too much into it because I'll pass it over to you, Zach, to tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thank you for the introduction, Aurora. Yeah, I'm Zach. Uh, Let's see, a little, little backstory. So I started crypto probably back in probably late 2015, right before... I got into college. I was I was buying Bitcoin at like two hundred dollars a piece, probably probably around two hundred three hundred dollars a piece. I had about twelve Bitcoin, and I was just gambling online. <laughs> so I just I I got this like gambling addiction kind of thing, and I would just always be on this website, and it would just be like this numbers game where you just choose a higher and lower number, and I guess you would win money that way, and. Dude, there I got like a gambling addiction. And uh, that was kind of like my introduction into the crypto scene because I I wanted to, you know, earn money online. And that was the easiest way at the time. It was completely unregulated and completely, you know, Ponzi tokenomics, but like whatever. Uh, And then I got into like a bunch of different altcoins. I got into like the cryptocurrency subreddits. So I bought into like a bunch of different altcoins that are like at zero now. Actually, I did buy Litecoin at like a few bucks, maybe like a thing around 10 or $12. Uh, but I lost the wallet. I had like a few hundred of those. I lost the wallet to that. So I lost out on lots of money from there. And then after, I think I quit crypto uh, probably mid-2016. And then 2017 was whenever it hit like 20 grand. And I was like scrounging everywhere to like see where my Bitcoin was uh, et cetera, you know, looking for all the wallets that were lost, uh, on my desktops that I didn't have access to anymore that had a lot of crypto in it. And then obviously the market tanked in 2017 and I was like, you know, crypto's dead, it's whatever. And then, uh, my dad wanted to get into crypto cause he's like, it's going to blow up again. I promise you. I'm like, no, it's not. It's dead. Like Bitcoin already touched like 20 grand. Now it's at like three, like it's completely dead. It's just people just, you know, holding on to their last little bit of no hope. And he's like, no, I promise you. So he wanted me to help him get into mining. So then he started, you know, setting up mining rigs to mine Ethereum and Zcash and a bunch of other shit. And he, you know, he got me into mining because like, you know, this is kind of cool. Ethereum's kind of like, you know, going up a little bit more. This is when ETH was at like 500 $600 and it was going up a bit. So then I started mining ETH with him. And I think then it crashed again sometime in 2018 and ETH dropped like a few hundred bucks. I was like, this is dead. Like, this is stupid. It's costing me more to run the mining rig than actually, you know, what I'm making per month with uh, mining Ethereum. So I just kept my Ethereum that I made like 1.2 Ethereum for mining, whatever. I I mined for like maybe a month and a half with like a $4,500 mining rig. Uh, So I sold the parts and my dad was like, that was dumb. Like, I'm just going to keep mining because it's going to go up. And I was like, okay, you do you. Uh, And then, you know, come to find out he's exactly right. And he made some good money off of mining Ethereum and Zcash. And then I kind of just like, you know, did my own thing, did college, did all that. Uh, And then let's see. So this is probably around 2020 now when COVID happened. And then, you know, all the markets crashed again. And then I'm just like sitting back, like, you know, not worried, but 
I was hearing about some stuff going on from my dad, you know, like altcoins are getting bigger. A, a lot of people went to zero, but he, he specifically invested in certain ones that were like VR related. Cause he's like the VR altcoins are going to be like the future. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, keep buying your crypto. That's going to go to like zero. But then it really hit me in 2021, the beginning of 2021, whenever, you know, Bitcoin was slowly rising again past the 20K levels. I was like, holy shit, like this could, this could actually be a thing. Like maybe I was wrong this entire time. So then I got back into crypto in February of 2021. And at this time, my dad was making a ton of money. Like he was getting into all the OG airdrops, like for Uniswap, One Inch, uh, et cetera. And he was just holding them. But like, I'll talk about this in a little bit. But he's just someone who never sells. He just holds. And I'm the complete opposite. And there's a reason for that. So in the February of 2021, I started buying like Chainlink at like 20 bucks. I started buying Uniswap at like 17, uh, BNB, like all of those. And I made really good money off of them. But then I never sold. I never took profit because I just was part of that group that was like Bitcoin's going to 100K. Like all these altcoins are going to like $100. It was stupid. Like I was just throwing money at whatever. I used a lot of my savings. Actually, I used all of my savings. And then whenever my grandfather passed away, he gave me like 10 grand and I bought cake with it, pancake swap at like 20 bucks. So I, I bought 50, or yeah, 15, 10K worth of pancake swap uh, off of a decentralized finance loaning, like kind of like Ave, but it was called, uh, I think it was called Ramp. I'm not quite sure actually. But I then put a loan out on top of the cake that I bought. So like, so I bought 10K, 10K worth of cake and then I put it into this DeFi ramp thing. So then I got an extra 7,500 on top of it. And basically it was like my liquidation price was like 10 bucks, 11, actually I think it was $11. And then this was the moment when everything just crashed. Like I think it was like the 2021 crash again. And this usually happens around the tax season. So people tax harvest. And I didn't know this. I was still a noob. So also at this time, I I put like 5K into WEX and it was at like 33 cents. And then it went to like 0.003. So I did a negative 100X (laughs) and I lost all my money in that. And then I lost all my money in Chainlink. And then I lost all my money in like everything else. And like my money that I, I got all the way up to like 40K just went to like 4K. So I took out that money. Oh, and then I got liquidated on the loan on the DeFi ramp thing. And actually, I forgot one part. I actually took out a loan from a bank as well for 15K. (laughs) So then I'm still paying on that monthly. And I got liquidated on that. So yeah, don't ever take out a loan from a bank. That is the stupidest idea ever. uh, If you're going to use it to buy crypto. It is the most volatile thing you could ever do. Because you never know what's going to happen with the crypto market. All these yield protocols, all these yield farming, like it's all Ponzi's. Like it just like as you saw it, you uh, Terra. It's just a Ponzi. Like, do not put your money into these things that give you like more than twenty percent APY because it's just all Ponzi. You're someone else's exit liquidity. Always be sure to take profits. Like if you're up like more than like double, like just take some profits. Get your initial investment out and just let everything else ride because then it's free. You know, you don't have to worry about losing money because you already took out your initial investment. That's what I've learned throughout this whole time. After losing all my life savings and everything else, that's what I've learned. So yeah, I took that 4K that I had left over and I then got into leverage trading to try and make it all back. And I was really good at leverage trading on Binance. I'm an impatient kind of guy. I like to see results right away. So I would do high leverage trading. So I would do like 40 to 60X leverage trading, like scalp trading. So uh, scalp trading is whenever you buy or, you know, long or short a position and, you know, close it out within a matter of like a minute or less. So like I would long, let's say ETH with like 40X. So if I put in a thousand dollars, I would use 40X leverage. So then I'm trading with $40,000 on my $1,000 investment. But then my liquidation price would be like, 10 to $20 away from, you know, my entry. So if I entered uh, Ethereum at $1,500 with the 40X uh, leverage trade, my liquidation price is like $1,450, let us say. So like if Ethereum just decided to drop like $50, I would have been liquidated. It's that volatile if you use high leverage. 
So I was high leverage scalp trading. So my first big win when I realized like this was really profitable was whenever, <laughs> this is actually very irresponsible. I, you know, opened up a leverage trade with like $300, $400. And I had it a 60X on Ethereum. You know, I had my entry price at like six, 17 something. And if it hit that entry price, then my trade would get activated and I would enter the trade with, you know, 60X leverage with 300 bucks. So I was trading with, I don't know, what is that? 18 grand, maybe? I don't know. So then I went on a beach trip for three days and Ethereum just plummeted. It was like at 2000 and it just plummeted all the way to my entry price. I'm like, oh, I'm about to get liquidated. There goes the rest of my money. And it didn't go below my liquidation price. Like it entered my entry price, but it never got liquidated and it just bounced. So by the time I got back home, I was up like $3,000 and I was like, holy shit. So I closed that out, made three grand. So now I'm at like seven grand. Um, and I actually started to learn how to leverage trade from this group called Walsh Wealth Group. Everyone has different opinions on them. Personally, they are the smartest traders I know. Different people from around the world that just, you know, give their thoughts on the market, you know, give out trades, all that shit. And I've definitely made a lot of money because it's, you know, it's not just leverage trading that they teach. They teach about how to trade NFTs, uh, how to read the market structure on any market, you know, whatever. Super intelligent guys. So then I, you know, throughout the time that I was in that discord, I, you know, was helping other people, you know, take trades. I was helping other people, you know, learn what not to do, like what I did that they shouldn't do. And I, I, would, I didn't really follow my advice most of the time. I, I helped other people with it, but I never followed my own advice because I'm very, uh, you know, I grew up from a gambling kind of like mindset, like from 2015. And I like to see fast returns or no returns at all. In October, I, you know, got my balance all the way up to like 13K. And then I just kept entering a trade, you know, just dollar cost averaging down. And then a black swan event happened and Bitcoin plummeted like, $10,000 in a short amount of time. And then all the altcoins like nuked and I was in a sushi trade. And then at that time, sushi was getting FUD and I just didn't pay attention. And it just, it hit my liquidation price and I got liquidated. So I'm like, well, what the f like here I am in this discord and the owner actually gave me a chance to be a moderator. So I didn't know moderators got paid at this time. I was just there helping people They're like, Hey, we like that you're helping people. Do you want to be a moderator? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like that's awesome. Like if you need help, I'll gladly help. So then I was just like helping people directing where they need to go for information or, you know, trades if they had questions on trades and like what the entry price is, what the stop loss was, et cetera. I became a moderator in September. And then after two months after that, uh, they're like, hey, we actually want to put you on payroll to do this like full time. I was like, yeah. Is there hours? They're like, yeah, you'll have specific hours. I'm like, all right, cool. So I became a paid moderator and I think it was my first paycheck was December. So I started November 1st, I think. No, actually my first paycheck was January. So I started December 1st and throughout that whole time, I was just like helping moderating for free. So I didn't really expect anything and the pay was really good. Like immediately they paid me like $500 over than what I was making at my nine to five. And I was like, holy like. I'm already making more than I am at my normal nine to five job. Like, what is this? And I'm very fortunate because I was working from home at my nine to five. I was working for a hospital. So I would just talk to people on the headphones uh, while I was on my laptop, just, uh, you know, helping people in discords and being a moderator for discords. So I got into the NFT scene because after I got liquidated in futures, I was like, you know, this, like, I want to try something else. Uh, and NFTs at that time were blowing up. So I got into Solana NFTs in October. And one of my first NFTs is actually now a blue chip today. Uh, it was Genesis Go's Super Shadowy Coder. So I minted that. And at that time, it was like a 500, mid 500 to $600 mint. So I looked at that. I was like, oh, like this is going to be expensive. Like for an NFT, like I'm really going to have to put some money into this. Hopefully it does well. And it did, it did insanely well. So Solana hit like $240 and then it hit like a hundred and something uh, floor price. And I think the NFT went up to like 25 grand and I paid like 600 for it, but I didn't sell. Of course, you know, me being a bonus, uh, I didn't sell it. 
But this taught me how to actually hold a valuable project and not just paper hands it, which is kind of ironic because I'll get into that later, the term paper hands. But yeah, so I got into the NFT space and I minted this one amazing NFT and it got me into a DAO, an exclusive DAO of other like-minded people who also minted the NFT and had like a ton of money. It got me connected with a lot of people that I wouldn't have normally gotten connected with. And through this, I gained information on upcoming NFTs that were minting. I actually, from this, I got into Portals, which is a metaverse NFT that also did insanely well. And I joined their Discord. I started like talking to people. I started helping them out, directing where they need to go normally, you know, because that's just my customer service mindset. I have plenty of jobs in customer service. Like in high school, I was the IT help guy. I went to college for computer science, whatever. Customer service is just my background. So then in portals, I started helping people where they need to go, you know, being friendly, answering questions, et cetera, just as a normal like user in their discord. And I hit them up. I'm like, Hey, I see you only have one moderator. You know, I'm a moderator for another discord. Like if you need help, I know what to do. I know how to approach situations, et cetera. They're like, you know, we're all good right now. Uh, the mint hasn't happened yet at this point. It was about a week before the mint. I was like, you know, just let me know. I'm like, okay, we'll keep you in mind. So then two weeks after mint happened, they hit me up and they're like, hey, do you still want to be a moderator? I'm like, of course, I'd love to help out. So this was my first time actually negotiating pay, which stressed me the f- out because I did not know what to say. I've never been in this position where I have the upper hand and where I can actually you know, ask for money. So I was like, you know, hey, is there compensation involved? At my other job, I'm getting compensated for the work. Uh, I just want to know like what all is expected. They're like, yeah, of course, like we want to be as professional as you do. Like, how much do you make at your other job? So I told them. And they're like, all right, cool. I guess I want to be transparent. Yeah, like I guess I strive for transparency, so I will say. So I was getting paid $600 a week right off the bat being a moderator for portals. Uh, And I still do. I've never asked for a pay raise because I'm very comfortable there. Uh, You know, working for portals, you know, I I don't want to be too greedy. And I mean, I know they make a lot of money off of royalties, but they also spend a lot in devs and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, it's very chill right now in the chats. Uh, so you know what? I'm I'm completely comfortable at, at my pay rate. Uh, 600 a week at Portal, 600 a week at the other one. So they matched my pay, and that was fantastic. I was then making you know five thousand dollars a month just moderating two discords, and I was making like two grand a month, maybe eighteen hundred to two grand a month at my nine to five. And I was like, if I get one more Discord job, then maybe I could quit my nine to five. And then a month later, I actually did get that chance. I uh, started working for Crypto Straps as a community manager of sorts. And I actually worked for free for them. And I was like, hey, is there funding ahead of time for this project? Uh, Is there not funding ahead of time? And I'll get paid on mint day. And they're like, you know, we could fund you ahead of time, but like we prefer to save that for like, you know, devs and other stuff. I'm like, I totally understand. Let's just come up with an agreement instead of paying me 600 a week for, you know, moderating right now. How about on mint day? You pay me all the weeks that I worked for free, but you're going to pay 700 a week that I worked. So they're like, okay, cool. So they paid me $700 a week on Mint Day for all the weeks that I worked. So I think I made $5,000 on Mint Day. They paid me a Solana, so it was like 59 soul. And at that time, that equaled like five grand. So then I just threw that in my ledger because I didn't need it. At this time, any any jobs that I was doing, I was just throwing it in my ledger, just stacking it. Because I, I didn't need the I didn't need the money. I was I was getting paid directly to my bank from portals and the other Discord Wash Wealth group directly to my bank. So I could afford my bills. And on top of that, I was still working my nine to five while I was moderating three Discords. So imagine me looking at a desktop for my normal job, my normal nine to five, you know, answering doctors, nurses, all that stuff, while also on my laptop to the side, I was also uh moderating three different Discords at once. So I was definitely, definitely working my ass off to, you know, make the most money while also trying to build a name for myself. And at this time, I guess I was slowly building a name for myself. I was known as like the portals moderator, I guess, which wasn't a bad thing because portals was massive at the time. I mean, it still is big, but it's like at the time when the Solana NFT bull market was going on, uh, portals was like hitting record numbers and no one was like, everyone was like freaking out. So yeah, I started working for Crypto Straps. And then another project hit me up, Galactic Goons. And they're like, hey, we've seen how you interacted in portals. We see how professional you are. We'd love to hire you as well to be a moderator. 
like that's one thing is like how you are in discords other people see that and i strive to tell people this is like how you act people notice and you never know which kind of people are looking so the more that you're professional and the more that you know you aren't trigger happy with banning people or you know back talking members or like being a rude person the better it looks for you and the more people like you so at this time they also asked me to be a moderator and i think this was in i want to say let's see so today is june so then march april i think this was at the end of february yeah it definitely was at the end of february i got this job so in the matter of three months i got like three discord jobs which is wild to think that we're already in June and that's that's how far I've come. But yeah, so I started working for Galactic Goons and moderating, helping out with them. And uh, at this time, I had a lot of connections. So I started reaching out to other projects, uh, other people that had big followings or bigger connections and you know promoting and marketing and all that for them. I guess in a way I was advising also. So I then, God, let's see. So at this time, then I was moderating four discords and I was like on the edge, like I was talking to my mom every week about like quitting my nine to five. Like, what can I do like to quit my nine to five, like to free up more time so I can do what I want. I want to go full-time web three. She's like, that is so irresponsible. Like you never know how the market's going to be. I'm like, but I have two jobs right now that are, you know, netting me five grand a month to my bank so I can pay my bills, you know, live okay or comfortably, you know, that's like 60 grand a year, which is very good. More than most people make in America right now. And that was just two of my jobs. So then I came up with the conclusion. I'm like, I will take on one more job and then I can finally quit my nine to five. And that one more job came out of nowhere. It was actually a partnership with Drippies. So Portals and Drippies, I was in their chat because I helped with partnerships uh, partnerships a little bit with Portals. So I had connections to Drippies, uh, which is another NFT that kind of uh, was very hyped at the time. And through that, I met a DJ named Wookie. And I've seen this guy perform a few times, uh, I'm very big into the EDM scene and EDM music, and he's a great DJ. And he was an advisor of sorts for Drippies. And out of nowhere, this was like months ago that I met him, like in the early stages of Portals when I met him. But out of nowhere, he just hits me up. It's like, hey, I'm starting my, you know, his project started on Ethereum. And he realized everything he wanted to do, he could not do on Ethereum because of the transaction fees. So then he switched everything to Solana and he's like, hey, I'm setting up my project on Solana. It's called Wobblebug and we'd love for you to be a community manager. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like in your mind, what do you need me to do as a community manager? And they gave me a list of things. I'm like, oh shit, like this is nowhere near where like I'm used to. Like this was a lot of responsibility, like a lot, a lot of responsibility. And I'm like, all right, let's talk it over. Uh, let's get on a call. Tell me what I need to do. We can talk about pay, all that. And they're like, all right, cool. So I negotiated 3% of the total mint. So I was going to make, if I were to do this job, I was going to make 3% of the total mint. So if it made like 20,000 soul on mint, I would take 3% of that, which is, uh, I don't even know. Actually, I kind of want to look it up real quick. So 3% of 20,000 is 600 Solana. So I was going to make 600 soul on mint day. I mean, if it minted out, and made 20,000 so I was going to get 3% of that, which would have been 600 Solana. But after I secured that job, I immediately put in my two weeks to my nine to five. I was like, all right, I'm going full-time Web3. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to grind every day. I bought a setup. I got three monitors right now. A mic. The three monitors, I have two discords on each monitor. And the way you do that is obviously going to like discord.com and just opening up multiple tabs and then dragging them out on different screens. So I have six discords up at all time. I'm monitoring six different chats, uh, DMs, Twitter, etc. I'm like full-time Web3, like masterminded this shit. I got it all set up. But then, you know, Wobblebug started taking off. It started gaining a ton of traction. And my negotiating was I want 3% of the total mint and then weekly pay after. Contingent on that I do amazing. And if I do amazing, I want to talk about a renegotiating of extra percent. And you're like, okay, cool. So now Wobblebug is about to mint and I renegotiated 4% of the total mint and then 4% of secondary sale royalties uh, monthly. So if they make like, let's just say they make 30,000 Solana volume on secondaries, we keep, let's say 8% of that. 
which is then 2,400 sold for that month that goes into our secondary wallet. And then I make 4% of that. So then I make 96 soul. So for that month of being a community manager, I would have made 96 soul, which is still good. You know, if Solana was at a hundred dollars, that would have been, you know, $9,600 that I make for that one month of, you know, being a community manager. And, you know, that's not always going to be the case. You know, some months it might be 20 souls, some months it might be 50 or more. Um, but I just, I've grown with the Wobblebook team and it's like a complete family now, you know, we're throwing a massive party at NFT NYC with a bunch of notable projects like Shaq's Project Astral's, adventure firm Enigma, uh, you know, Portals is also throwing it with them, Audius, the Web3 music streaming service, um, et cetera. So Wobblebug has gotten massive and I've grown with them. So I'm completely okay with, you know, if we don't make that much on secondary sales, my main payout would be obviously from Mint Day and I'm completely okay with that. But throughout this time, I also wanted to help other people. I was getting DMs left and right. Like, how did you get to where you're at? You know, how are you making money being a moderator? I started a thread that kind of blew up on how I am doing Web3 and Discord moderating full-time. And people are like, how the fuck are you doing moderating for Discord full-time? I'm like, well, here's how and here's, you know, why I'm doing it and here's how I'm doing it. And I fully believe that thread actually kind of put on the map, you know, moderators deserve pay. Because now every moderator I talk to, like, they're getting paid. And before that, they're like, we're never getting paid. Every single moderator I talk to, they're like, no, all I was promised was, like, maybe a few NFTs and, you know, maybe whitelist or something for moderating. And I'm like, bro, you're putting, what, six to eight hours a day into this. Like, and you're, that's all you're getting? Like, that's a scale. Like, you're getting grugged. Like, you're putting your time and energy and, you know, your life into this. Like, you're literally spending hours on hours on hours a day into this project for them just to give you a whitelist like come on like ask for pay so i started up a business for people to actually take a moderating and community managing course so they can learn exactly you know what i do and all the knowledge that i've gained throughout the five six months that i've been a moderator i've been in tons of different situations i've learned so many different things and now i'm helping Others learn those exact things, learn exactly what to do, what not to do. And at the end, I help them find jobs if they so choose to want a job. And I help them, you know, negotiate their pay. I help them uh, try and get into Web3 full time. That's that is my goal. I want people to get into Web3 full time. I want people to like make money. I like, I don't know. I love helping other people. So that is where I'm at right now. My second course for June is about to start. And that is kind of, you know, my life story on how I started to crypto and then how I got into moderating and then, you know, making money as a moderator and doing it full time into Web3. Wow. <laughs> like, let me let me just start off by saying, holy shit, I did not realize like, how far back you go in the kind of like the crypto and NFT space and how much you have achieved since starting in this space in 2015. Like, but you're only like 25, right? Yeah. That's pretty incredible, dude. Like that was very eye-opening to hear. And you, you've obviously seen a lot of success as well, even though you've kind of been in and out of the space, trading in crypto at first, and then eventually building up your connections and your brand with NFTs and, you know, landing these jobs that allowed you to, to quit your in real life full-time job. Out of all of those years that you've sort of put in so far, what would you say is like the biggest lesson you've learned or the biggest piece of advice you would give someone who is wanting to follow a similar path? So I would say the biggest lesson I learned was never get greedy. If you're up, if you're up a certain amount on, let's say a trade or an NFT or something, it is completely okay to sell it and, you know, take those profits because you never know how the market is going to be. One day a project could be worth like $5,000 and then some unnecessary FUD comes out about it, like something with the owner or anything, and it just goes to zero. And now you're just left holding something that's worthless whenever you could have, you know, been sensible, uh, rational and taken the profit and taken that five grand. But a lot of people just think that, you know, if I sell now, like this project has so much going for it. If I sell now, it could go up later. You're right. It very much could. It could go up later, but it also could go down like at like 
quicker than it could go up. That's what I've noticed in crypto is that a lot of things hit zero faster than it goes up. So it's always safer to take profits and reinvest those profits into something else. So that's what I do with a lot of projects. I, I mint them or something. I see them go up a lot. I sell off. I don't care if they go up more. I take those profits and re-diversify into something else that you know has the potential of going up more or just going up a little, sell that, and then keep re-diversifying and compounding those gains. So don't be greedy, be sensible, take profits. I like the diversification too, especially. It's like definitely don't want all your eggs in the same basket. I know exactly. a couple of people that got liquidated with Terra. Uh, it's, yeah, it sucks. Oh um, yeah, billions gone. Yep. I did want to ask you, so I remember you mentioned that portals had reached back to you after a few weeks. And the first thing I thought it was like, there's almost no way that would happen in this job market, right? And when I say this job market, I'm referring to like all these projects that are coming up and that are decently hyped, like, do they not have like hundreds upon hundreds of moderator applications going through them already? So if that's the case, I'm wondering, like, how do you stand out with that in mind? So they do. That's the thing. And so projects nowadays, they have, I don't want to say I paved the way for that, but like, I definitely made it known that, you know, moderating is a lucrative job or just a job in general that can make you money. And now you know, you see tons of people applying to be a moderator at hyped projects. Portals was never hyped in the beginning. It was just word of mouth. They did no promoing. They did nothing. It was just word of mouth. Like in the Discord, there might have been like three, 4,000 members whenever I was in it. But if you are trying to be a moderator for a project, don't judge a book by its cover. Like if a project has like maybe a few thousand members and you want to be a moderator, join it, you know, start being helpful, whatever start befriending other people, start befriending uh, other moderators. If there are, is a moderator in the Discord, start befriending the community manager, the founders, start talking and just helping out people where they need to go, answering questions. Portals actually did this with three members. So I was the second moderator they ever hired. And then they hired three community members who were always helpful to other people. So it does not go unnoticed. Like, okay, so for crypto straps at the time, this was my second moderating job, a third moderating job, but second NFT moderating job. There was one guy in there who's just a volunteer guy. Like, uh, come to find out, he's young, younger than 21. I'm not going to dox his age, but he was just helpful. He was a volunteer guy that I just saw help out a lot. And then three months later, I'm like, bro, I want to hire you to be our head moderator at Wobblebug. Since I was a community manager, I had to go out and look for moderators to hire. And I noticed him and I was like, bro, I want to hire you. Like, you're very helpful. You're very knowledgeable on the on the projects that you work for, like, et cetera. Like, please work for me. He was like, all right, cool. Of course. Like, I was like, all right, and we'll pay you. Like, here's like what we're offering, et cetera. And he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And yeah, so you never know who is watching. I go back to that. You never know who's watching. If you want a job, just befriend everyone. If the project's new, join it. Look at their roadmap. Look at their whatever they have. If they have a white paper out, if if it looks very professional, join it. Try and apply to be a moderator as soon as you can. Join new projects. Reach out to people if there are new projects coming up. Try and be the first in those discords and make your voice heard. Reach out to whoever you need to in that discord to see if they need help and just... If they say no, not at this time, great. Stay in the Discord, be helpful. Luckily for me, I loved what Portals was doing. I was like, oh my God, this Metaverse project is amazing. So I always was in the Discord, you know, learning more about it, helping others. So they loved that. That may not always be the case with other projects. You know, it's very diluted right now, the market. So, you know, a lot of artwork is not stolen, but altered in a way that looks similar to other artworks. And you never know how a project is going to do. And you might be in like 15 different discords applying to be a moderator. So try and choose like two that you absolutely love that are still in the beginning stages that uh, are unique and just stay in them, be helpful, et cetera. Reach out to who you need to, to try and land those moderating jobs. Now that's great advice. You said something that really resonated with me was like, one, try to double down on the projects you really believe in and two, like don't spread yourself too thin and like be helpful where you actually see that this, oh yeah, there's like this project is trying to do something. It could really be something. And it, it reminded me of um, 
when you sold Bitcoin very, very early on, you were like, this is going to zero. And to me, it made me think like, to what extent is the price of an asset the reason you're investing as opposed to the underlying tech or like what you truly believe in? And I suppose like being able to separate market price from what the value being delivered actually is. Um, and I know you you mentioned paper hands earlier. I was curious if you wanted to touch on that as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, I guess people, a lot of times people call me paper hands because I sell projects before they take off. But what people don't know is that I'm still profiting. <laughs> so like I sold OK Bears at like 10 sold, but I minted it for 1.5. So I'm I still up like nearly 10x. Uh, it's actually like 7x, whatever. But then it obviously went to like 200 sold for price. So like I could have made a shit ton of money. But in, the, in that instant, it, the risk reward ratio was, you know, insane. So like I should have just held it in all honesty. It was a 1.5 mint. Like what the fuck? Like you just pee 1.5. But to a lot of people, they don't. 1.5 is a lot. So I, I just sold it. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I just got it in my head that I kind of fudded myself ahead of time. And I also fudded myself on Kets on crack. I gave my whitelist token to my dad. I was like, I'm not minting this. And it did insane. It went to 100. So a lot of times people call me paper hands because I sell shit early. But honestly, I've only maybe sold a few things early before they took off. I minted seven portals. I guess that kind of helped me to get my portals job because they're like, one, how the fuck did you mint seven? Because our, our project sold out in four seconds. It just took three minutes for all the transactions to go through. But the first 5,000 transactions that got sent actually went through. And I was seven of them. I don't know how. I had actually, I had 20 tabs open. This was before botting was a thing. So I had my two monitors at the time. Uh, so I had 15 tabs on one monitor, 15 tabs on another, and they were all resized. So you could only see the mint button. So I would just go through and just start clicking mint, 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 mint on all of them. And then my friend was on my laptop and he started minting stuff for me. And I managed to get seven portals. And I guess they were like, yo, he's like serious about like being a part of this project and holding. So I guess that kind of helped me get a job too. I think I was the only person to admit more than like five throughout the whole project. And so people will call me paper hands back to that. I sold one of my portals at 10, one of my portals at 20, one of my portals at 30, and I sold all the way up until 92 at the peak. So I made really good money off of portals as well. Uh, I sold Trip and Ape Tribe at 85 and 75, and now it's at 22. So like I have some very good plays, but it's just people only remember that whenever you sell before it takes off. I guess that's why people think I'm like paper hands and a counter indicator. It's like when I sell, then the project moons. Yeah, I have my, it's, it's funny, dude. Like, I feel like statistically you're selling the bottom and you're buying the top, right? Like just, yeah. know, something about the market, man, it just pulls you into thinking that things are going to go way up and, and then it just dumps or it goes the other way. <laughs> so I've learned it definitely helps to kind of counter trade your gut as well, at least for me. Yeah. Maybe not everyone's <laughs> that way, but I'm curious more in particular, like this idea of like the quality of holders that you have for a particular project, like the true believers that are just constantly accumulating and they know that even though the floor price is what it is right now, they don't really care and they know that it's going to be worth a lot more. I'm curious if you've had situations like that where you've really believed in a project and you found yourself accumulating as opposed to just trying to get out for the quick flip. Yeah. So that, for me, that was portals. That was like my first one where I like had like massive conviction and I still do. So the reason why I have massive conviction with you know, portals is because of the fact that I'm a moderator and I know what goes on behind the scenes. I know the funding they have and they stress that like they have enough money that if we had a bear market for two years, they could fund everyone still and the project like two times over. They have a shit ton of funding and that's just such a high conviction for me. Like if they have the funding to do all of that, even in a bear market, like so they can keep on building. So that's what I go for. I go for projects that obviously have a lot of utility the funding, the building aspect, you know, an active community and active team members in the discord itself. You know, if team members are active, that's very bullish for me. I'm like, you know, you're taking time out of your day to be active in a discord talking to us. I love that. So for OK Bears, they don't have any utility right now, but they do have an insane community. And that is obviously insanely bullish. Uh, community is everything when it comes to holding. Because if you have a very active community, that's like, like, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm part of it. Like people want to be a part of something. And that's why the branding meta is the way it is right now. It's because people want to be someone and, you know, owning this certain NFT, you are becoming someone, quote unquote, you might be one of 10,000, but 
in your mind, you're like, oh my God, I'm one of 10,000. Like I'm finally a part of them. So it's all about the mindset, how you build your community and the utility obviously is another thing that makes me insanely bullish on projects and makes me want to hold, not just for a quick flip. That's what I look for. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I feel like as a consumer in the NFT space, you have so many options at your fingertips. It can be hard to know when to buy, when to sell, which communities to be part of. And networking and connections is such a huge part of that, as well as just like completely immersing yourself and being completely integrated into the space on Twitter, discords, like just throwing yourself into it. But with regards to the networking piece, like I feel like that's one of the things you you definitely talk about a lot, the importance of networking and the importance of connections. What advice do you have for creating like meaningful relationships with others in the space that, you know, kind of stand the test of time and are actual real, true, genuine friendships? Like you don't want to just network for the sake of networking, right? Like you're wanting to genuinely show interest in people so that you can provide value to them, they can provide value to you. What's your kind of biggest piece of advice when it comes to networking and connections in the space? Uh, I would say my biggest connections came from being a part of a DAO early on. I mean, for me, I was early on in the SSC DAO, Super Shattery Coder DAO, and a lot of those people became someone, either a moderator for a project, a community manager, or a project founder. So by being early in that, I had some connections that helped me then form other connections, but it was all genuine. Like I loved hanging out and talking to these people. So I think when people know you're genuine, they're more likely to interact with you and help you in a way that is beneficial for you. People can tell when it's fake, when it's a copy paste, like, you know, reaching out message. It's like, hey, we're reaching out to see if we can get whitelist for your community, blah, 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 like whatever. Like people have copy and paste for that shit. And it's just, you, you know, when it's not genuine. So I would just say, just, you know, make connections in a genuine way. You know, don't go after someone just because they know someone who knows someone. If you're genuinely wanting to be friends with them, then be friends and go about it in a way that's like either always responding to their tweets, you know, be like, you know, after you kind of like make your name known in their tweets, you know, maybe like, hey, can I shoot you a DM? I have a question. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, what question you got? And they're like, hey, like, I've been trying to, you know, get some advice on something. I've been trying to get some help, uh, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like what you need. Like, and then. It's, it's just like a genuine conversation. It's not forced. It's not like, hey, check your DMs. Like, it's not like the first time someone uh, responds to my tweet, they're like, hey, check your DMs. 99% of the time, I will not check my DMs because you tell me to check my DMs. I will check my DMs because I want to. That's just a number one pet peeve of mine is when someone just demands me to check my DMs because I get a ton of DMs and I do go through them, but it's like, if you're demanding I check them, I'm not going to check them. Like, let me do it on my own time. Like, let me just, you know, I might be busy with something else. I might be stressed with work or something. I will get to it when I get to it at that point, if someone demands it. Maybe in Discord, if you're talking to someone, if you're, you know, shooting the and then the community manager starts talking or a moderator starts talking, you're like, hey, like, can you actually help me with this? I have a question. You know, it's like you're reaching out to a moderator, be like, hey, can I actually get in touch with the community manager? I had a question. Um, So it's all about just being genuine, not being a demanding For sure. And I mean, speaking of connections, family members are obviously the closest connections you have. And I know you mentioned your dad is also big in kind of the NFT and crypto space. What's it like having a family member so close to the space? Like, is it like a typical topic of conversation for you guys? Like, do you find that you're in the same communities and usually have the same alpha? Or like, what's the dynamic there with your dad? (laughs) Okay, so the dynamic with my dad is I actually gave him the alpha on Super Shadow Recoders to get him where he is now. So in Walsh Wealth Group, we have a lot of intelligent people and they were talking about SSC as like a really good utility project for Solana. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm gonna admit this. And then I told my dad, I'm like, hey, look into this project, you know, see what they're about, read their white paper. He's like, all right, cool, I've never heard of this project, but like, let me look into it. Um, And he writes about crypto. That was actually his first article on NFTs was the SSC. And I got him into that. And from that, he kind of blew up in the Discord known as like the SSC writer because like he just made like the most bullish article on Super Shadow Recoders that kind of like took the floor price from like 10 to like 30. And he would always write about it whenever they had new town hall meetings. Um, He would write about what was said over in the town hall. 
And there was one time I vividly remember I sold my Super Shatter Coder for 40 because I was so mad at their update on how the tokens were going to be released because I didn't understand it. And actually no one understood what was actually going on. Uh, so the floor price dumped from like 40 to like 20 in a matter of three hours because no one understood the town hall number three. And then my dad was like, guys, y'all are idiots. Like, read this article. I just posted it. Here's what you need to know. And I was like, oh my God, it makes so much sense now. So then the floor price jumped from 20 to 60 in the matter of like four hours. His article completely pumped the project from 20 to 60. And everyone was like, oh my God, thank you, Jeff. Like you made everything so much more clear, whatever, whatever. So he writes about NFTs and I always give him about like, I got him into NFTs and I got him where he is today. And then he gives me shit like, well, if it wasn't for me, you know, your mom, you wouldn't even be here today. But yeah, so regarding like our relationship, yeah, we talk a lot in the DMs, like all the time uh, about projects that are coming up, what we think about certain projects, what we think about certain owners, bullishness on the owners, if they're good, if they're just, you know, cheesy and they're in it for a cash grab, et cetera. So me and him talk a lot. And then we're also in a closed off exclusive, you know, kind of like a Boogles kind of syndicate alpha angel investing group. Uh, known as Enigma Ventures. Um, a lot of people compare us to Boogles. I don't know why we're we're different, but at the same time, similar. We talk a lot about projects in there, You know what's worth investing in. We kind of share the same alpha. Uh, sometimes he has you know different insight into a project on why I should hold it. And then I have different insight into a project on why you should sell it. And yeah, we just kind of you know talk back and forth you know every day about projects and Web3. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, I'm curious about Enigma Ventures. I, I wonder if you're contributing to that. Like, what does that dynamic look like? What's it like being involved with them? It's the most profitable thing that I've ever been a part of. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. We don't really talk about this, but I mean, it is a known thing that sometimes projects allocate, you know, a certain amount of whitelist for DAOs, for people, et cetera. There's some people that have their own closed off, you know, discords that yeah. post about their whitelist allocations they get, you know, sometimes they're like, yo, my discord just got 200 whitelist for this project, blah, blah, blah. I mean, with Enigma, we get a ton of whitelist allocations for projects. Sometimes we have to do raffles for whitelist. But other than that, we also do angel investing, you know, investing our own money into certain projects or tokens ahead of time. There's a lot of founders in our discord or in our, you know, group. So a lot of the founders tell us information on their project. Uh, when certain things are going to be released, you know, if they need help promoting stuff. So it's just, we also have lawyers in our group, developers. We have like three top developers in the Solana space who are really good at building projects that are freelance. The three Google devs are like Droopy, Rambo, and then CodeMonkey. CodeMonkey just got in Enigma and he is the developer who, you know, came up with the Monkey RPC or whatever, the Node Monkey RPC infrastructure that's really fast RPC um, that a lot of botters use. So we just have a lot of diverse people in our group and we're just expanding our you know, user base while also expanding our, uh, you know, which projects we want to invest in. And yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much Enigma. Can you tell us about one of the biggest learning moments you've experienced since joining the NFT space? Like maybe it was getting rugged early on in your trading career, or maybe you like said something publicly and it came back to bite you in the on a different server or like just kind of something that you maybe experienced that you were like, wow, okay, I learned from that. I grew from that and I'm not going to make that mistake again. Yes. So this, I caught on to this very early. This is, this was when I was a moderator, or I still am, but this was early on when I was, uh, you know, just starting moderating for portals. And I got whitelisted for a different project, not related to portals or anything. Um, and I went into their Discord and they over allocated whitelist. So they started to just not give people whitelist, apparently. Or was it the fact that they just never started to give white pe whitelisted people who got whitelist that were supposed to get whitelisted? They never got, they never gave it out. So then I started like, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I was supposed to be whitelisted for this project. Like, here's my submission, all this other stuff. And like, they just weren't answering. So then I was like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was like, this is so unprofessional. And then someone saw that and was like, oh, you're that moderator from Portals. He screenshotted like my comments and then posted it in the general chat of Portals and was like, this is how your moderator talks in other discords. Like he's trying to start a fraud campaign. 
And I was like, actually, I'm not. I'm trying to call people out like on them actually, you know, not being professional, like with their like what they're gonna do. It's like I was just immature in a way that was not, you know, wasn't a good reflection of me. Uh, I should have held my mouth. I should have just ignored it. But I was like, the project did, you know, list for like 30 soul. And at that time, 30 soul was a lot to me. So I was like, very. So I was just like, no, I was just trying to call them out on their like unprofessionalism. But, you know, the irony, I was also being unprofessional. And they just kind of bit me in the. And I had to, you know, apologize. I had to say sorry to Chris so I didn't get fired, et cetera, et cetera. So that was kind of the moment I was like, wow people remember you from different servers and are always watching and you never know, you know, what's going to bite you in the But so you bring up a really good point there that I think is so important to talk about. And Noland, I feel like we've talked about this in the past, which is what's the line between being able to like get upset in situations where projects maybe aren't following through on their word or, you know, what's the line in being able to critique a project and share an opinion, even though it might be negative and then that negatively influencing your reputation, right? I feel like we should be able to, you know, have that type of critique and, and maybe the difference is, you know, the criticism needs to be constructive, I guess. Maybe it's like kind of how you go about it. But I feel like a lot of people get sort of lashed out at for making comments like that about projects. And it's like, you know, sometimes you got to tell the honest truth and it's okay to be frustrated in situations, right? So like, where's the line in being able to critique something versus like it looking bad on you? So in my way, I didn't really critique them. I just kind of full on bashed them. I was just like, what the f- is this? Like you said you were going to do something and you didn't like, and no one was responding to me from the team. So I was just like, this bullshit. But I would say in the way to critique people, critique them in a way that is like, you're telling them what they did wrong, but also let them know what they're doing right. That's how I usually critique people. That's just my way of doing it in a nice way. Not everyone is like that. Some people have, you know, shorter tempers. Some people are, you know, more mean about it. I would just say, if you're going to critique someone or a project, do it in a way that it can actually help the project benefit. Don't do it in a way that you're trying to be mean. Do it in a way like, hey, I love what y'all are doing, but have y'all thought about doing this or trying it this way or et cetera, et cetera. That's probably the most professional way that you could critique a project. You think it'd be bad to do that on Twitter? Is it better to have those conversations like straight to the owners? Oof, that's a tricky one. Right. Because Twitter, <laughs> they would publicly see it. Uh, it might be harder to see in Discord, but I do think every Discord should have a server feedback channel. So if you do want to critique a project, make sure to go into that channel or off topic or something uh, and tag the moderators and just let them know like, hey, I'm tagging the mods. Uh, if you could relay this to the community manager, if you could screenshot it, etc. cetera. Uh, I love what y'all are doing with the project, but I just have some comments. Maybe y'all could do it a different way. And uh, yeah, just do it that way. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. I'm also curious, so you mentioned those whitelist spots that you were getting for Enigma, and it made me wonder, like, how long are the whitelist spots going to be relevant as a profit-making tool or, like, an investment vehicle for high-quality projects that are coming up? Because kind of as the space, at least the way I'm seeing it, as the space gets more bearish, NFTs subsequently also get more bearish because... I don't think of them as a hedge against Solana. They're a leverage long, as I've heard, and it makes sense. And to that extent, I'm wondering, like, where do you see the NFT space going in, like, the short to middle term? And how do you want to position yourself well so that you can thrive pretty much no matter how the space is doing? So I do see myself staying around for the NFTs for the long term. Reason being, there's so many use cases for NFTs. A lot of NFTs will go to zero. So many NFTs will go to zero. Uh, one of the statistics I heard was, what was it? Whenever cars were getting made, you know, when the first automobile was getting made, like 1,900 companies came out also making cars. And I mean, look how many car companies there are today. Like, what is it? The top multi-billion car companies. Like, there's only like three or four or five. And then what was it? During the dot-com phase... Uh, so many computer manufacturers came out and so many websites came out. And now all those companies, like most of them are to zero. Um, and now you have all these NFT projects and companies coming out, promising utility, uh, promising, you know, building, promising all these things. Most of them will go to zero. And that's why I take my profits. And that's also why I reinvest my money into like, you know, 
high conviction plays like top blue chip projects that genuinely, you know, those projects are actually building, like those projects are actually using their funds for something. I fully believe that, you know, Tire Robotics will be here for the long term. Tom is the best entrepreneur in this space. Like he comes from a background of being an entrepreneur since he was 14. And now he is, you know, 20 plus years old. I'm not in Tayo, but I will be in Tayo soon. I'm looking for a good entry. D-Gods, they're doing some pretty cool shit. Portals is obviously my highest conviction play, uh, you know, being Solana's number one metaverse. And, you know, as the years go on, metaverses are going to get bigger. And it could get to the point that someone buys portals out. Like, you never know what could happen. So I would say most of these projects that have cool art or cool, like, whatever, great community, they will go to zero. Most of them will go to zero. So try and re-diversify that into top blue chip, you know, projects that have funding that are actually doing something in this space to make a difference. IRL stuff like Degen Apes is going down a bit, but they're also a high conviction play. So I bought in at 31st Soul and it, it touched at like 100 Soul and now it's back uh, around 50, but they're literally making a brand for themselves. Like they have merch, they're coming out with their own beer line, their alcoholic line. Like who the else is doing that? Like they're going above and beyond every other project. Astros is doing amazing Wobblebug is going to be doing amazing shit. Just no one knows it because we can't actually say it yet. Trip and Ape Tribe, I fully believe, is going to be doing amazing shit. I had a call with the owner. They have a lot of funding beforehand. Go with the people that are actually, you know, have real utility in their roadmap, but not just a flashy roadmap. They have the funds to do the roadmap, to build it out. They have the connections to build out the roadmap. Like, that's what I look for. I do believe that investing in NFTs is a leveraged long, so to speak, but it's also one of the safest leveraged longs you can do. Reason for that is because most people, whenever, let's say Solana goes down, uh, most people don't want to sell their NFTs. They just want to hold it because they're like, well, what the fuck else am I going to do with the with this soul? Like it's going down. Might as well just hold the NFT. That's their mindset they have. That's the mindset I have. So it in a way is a hedge. So let's say your NFT is five soul, soul is worth $100, great, your NFT is worth $500. But then soul goes down to 50 and people are like, well, I'm not going to sell my NFT, I'm just going to hold it. So now your NFT is worth five soul. And let's say something comes out with your NFT, like something bullish comes out and people start buying up your NFT because it's cheaper. So now your NFT is worth, let's say 10 soul and price of soul is 50 bucks. So now your NFT is back to $500, but it's also worth 10 soul. Now let's say Solana goes up. Let's say Solana goes to $100. Now your NFT is 10 soul and Solana is $100. And now your NFT is worth $1,000. So I think that NFTs are one of the safest leveraged longs you can do as long as your NFT is also building something and has great utility and has a great community. That's how I look at it. Interesting. To play devil's advocate. I would argue that while we like might be in a like a quote unquote builders meta right now, I'm also seeing that like the the utility that's being built is still for flippers, is still for whitelist and project launching and post project like management. The bullish case I see for NFTs is its ability to kind of penetrate web two utility, but if it's just going around in a circle and providing like a sales bot tool for another project that's going to mint out or I don't know, like marketing services or something like that. Like it doesn't really feel like it's trying to bridge that gap. And that's where I see the growth actually happens is when the pie grows, not when you get a bigger share of the same pie. Do you know what I mean? Can you, can you give me an example? Like, can you name drop a project that you're thinking of in your head? Botheads or like chippies where they'll do like hype, um, so they'll they'll look at the Twitter presence of a project and they'll try to figure out kind of a hype rating. See, I don't I don't know if that's accurate. I, I don't know much about botheads, but I do know a lot of these tools. It's very hard to actually be very accurate with them. Even what is that website NFT Inspect? It, it monitors your global reach as an NFT quote unquote influencer or a giveaway influencer or some bullshit like that. I hate the term influencer. I would say it's very hard to actually pinpoint the accuracy on that. So personally, I never invest in those, though, 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 this is some alpha. You don't need to believe in the project to be profitable. All you need to do is monitor it and see if other people believe in it. So if other people believe in it, you're going to make money. So 
all you need to do is invest in a project. If it has quote unquote utility, you'd be like, this utility is bullshit. But then everyone's like, oh my God, this utility is amazing. You're like, ah, so other people believe in it. It's going to make me money. That's how I look at certain projects. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know that and they don't think like that. So that's, that's how I look at most projects that build out utility or tools or whatever have you. Most of those are going to zero. There's very, very, very select utility tools that are actually going to do well. And if your project comes out with a token, there's a 90%, I don't want to say actually percentage chances because, you know, I'm bullshitting that. But there's a very, very, very high chance that your project drops in floor value because they come out with a token. Reason being is that most IDOs are very bullish the first one or two days. Everyone's on some hopium hype train. And then the IDOs tank because people want to sell off get those profits. And then once people start selling off, everyone starts to panic. And then everyone correlates the NFT value with the IDO token value. And you saw that with SSC. SSC went to like 180 and then dropped to 70. Like that's because of the IDO, it raised like 60 something million, 63 million. And it IDO'd at $1.72, maybe $1.62, something. And then after that, SSC went up. SSC went from like 180 or 100 to like 120 to like 145 to like 180 at its peak. And that was back whenever the IDO token went to like $2 or $3 and everyone was like so bullish. And then it just dropped. It just plummeted because everyone started taking profits. And then SSC NFT dropped as well, all the way to like 70 soul. So if, you're, if your project does come out with a token, it has to be very, very, very meticulously planned. Now SSC is doing amazing because their token is, you know, providing more and more utility with Solana. And it's very hard to find good utility projects. I know Atadia is coming out with some very good shit. My dad talks to the team all the time and he's very bullish on them. He actually wrote an article on them whenever they were three and four soul and they topped out at 41 soul floor price a week or so ago. Um, and now they're hovering around 30. So, I mean, he obviously writes about projects before they become, you know, massive projects. And overall, Atari is very bullish, in my opinion. That's going to be an entry. They're also coming out with a token. I think they might have came out with it. I'm not 100% sure yet, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to do well, I fully believe, because of the utility that they're providing. But overall, that's my opinion on you know utility projects and tools and all that. I think most of them will go to zero. Well, we have one last question for you, Zach. So, and this question really can be interpreted in many different ways. So kind of take it as you wish. But what do you feel like is kind of underrated in the space? And by that, meaning like, let's say, for example, patience is underrated. Like, you know, more people need to have patience when they're trading in this market. Or maybe you think more people should be paying attention to the teams and the founders more than the floor price? Like what sort of mentality or just kind of general concept do you think more people should be doing more of in the space that might be underrated right now? They definitely should do their research. Don't just blindly throw your money at, you know, a project that has a hyped community. Do your research on what, you know, actually is behind that hyped community. If it's just community... I mean, good luck because most communities go to zero. That's just the way it is. OK Bears is a great example. They are just a community as of right now, but they built such a big community that then they actually capitalized on that. They started feeding them info like, hey, we actually have talks with Nike. Hey, we actually have talks with Sony this week in California. Like they kept the community up. They didn't just build the community for nothing. Like they're there for the long term. In my opinion, they are doing great things. I don't own one. Um, I sold mine and I never really got it. I never really bought back in. Um, I will be looking for an entry, obviously, for that, though. But they know how to keep a community engaged. But always do your research. Look at the project's roadmap. Look to see who's on the team. Look at the team's background. See how they're going to capitalize on the roadmap. See if they can actually fulfill the roadmap. Because when bear market comes, because it's going to come, and it's going to suck. Everyone's going to lose a ton of money. People are just going to leave the space. A lot of liquidity is going to be leaving the market. So when the bear market comes, you have to have a high conviction play that you're comfortable with holding. So that would be my advice. Just do your research. Don't just blindly throw your money at 
Well said. Very well said. Well, that is everything we had for you. So thank you again for joining us, Zach, and sharing your life story. (laughs) It's been really cool to hear uh, the perspective of someone who's just like super engulfed in the space and has someone who's actually created a career for themselves in the space as well. So thank you again for joining us. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments for our listeners before we end it off? Uh, I guess the one thing I would say is if you are looking to become a moderator, if you are looking to branch out into Web3 and look for you know, pay, take my class, take my course. I'm here to help you gain the knowledge. You don't have to join you know, with the intentions of being like, hey, I want to join this so I can get money. You, know, you could join just like, hey, I want to join this so I can get the knowledge so I can either utilize it later in life or I could utilize it you know, immediately uh, with the job. It doesn't matter. I'm here to help everyone out. You know, get into Web3, get into Discord moderating, get into community managing, building a project, etc. So look into that. Look out for my classes at the Soul Academy. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Zach. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. All right, guys, that is all we have for you today. If you don't already, make sure to follow at CryptoZachLA on Twitter. If you want to keep up with us, we're at Web3ConnectX, and our personal socials will be in the show notes. If there's anyone in particular you want to hear on a future episode, shoot us a DM and we'll try our best to get them on for you. And with that said, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>